Welcome back to another episode of Around the Full One Two. I'm Tyler, and with me, as always, is my co-host Smitty. Be sure to give us a follow on all of our social medias, including Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and go subscribe to us over on YouTube. It really helps us out a lot. Um, before we get into the show, as always, for the past recent shows, we're going to talk about a couple of GoFundMe's before we get into the sports. The first one being the Isla Keen Future Fund. Uh, Isla Keen lost her father, Dalton Keen who Smitty will talk about a golf outing in his honor uh, in a little bit. But uh, he, she she lost her father back in October, and there is a GoFundMe that we've been continuing to push just because we're trying to help alleviate that financial burden that losing a father can leave as much as we can, and we want to support that family as much as we can. So we're going to continue to link the, descript- uh, the, link the link in the description of this show um, in YouTube and on all listening platforms, and as well... Uh, there's another GoFundMe for a, a family from Beaver, Pennsylvania, my hometown, actually. Um, we were promoting it. Uh, Amy LeMaster was fighting breast cancer. Unfortunately, she lost that battle and a, a family lost their mother. And again, with, with, with things like this, we cannot really repair or try to accommodate for a loss like that. But we can try to help financially what the the cancer can bring to a family. And so we're going to continue to link that uh gofundme in the description of this show as well as as far as future shows um moving forward as well um and then smitty has the golf outing to talk about that i mentioned with uh isla keen yeah um the first dalton keen memorial golf outing will be held at blackhawk golf course on saturday may 13th at 2 p.m it's 100 dollars per player that includes the the golfing that's going to take place as well as the food and drinks it covers all that with one cost you got a team of four, of course, uh, in order to get involved. You can reach out to Todd or Kaylee. Um, and I will actually, I mean, th- this is on the flyer, so I can put their phone numbers in the description of this as well to reach out to. But also, if you just want to hit me up in the DMs on Twitter or reach out to us on any platform, I can get you more information that way. But yes, uh, Dalton Keen Memorial Golf Outing, Saturday, May 13th at uh, Blackhawk Golf Course, and all proceeds for that will be actually split between going to Isla, the same thing as the GoFundMe, and also the Highmark Caring Place, um, which is something that's very important to them. So um, as well as, you know, Tyler mentioned Dalton was was a friend of, of mine, and Tyler also had met him. Um, so it, it means a lot to us as well as them. So anybody that's been involved with all this stuff, just as we always thank you for getting involved with the Rock Around the 412 stuff, and that was tied in with that this year. We can't thank you guys enough for getting involved with yeah, like Keen, GoFundMe, if anybody's watching or listening to this and was involved with that, as well as, you know, with this other stuff that we've kind of been pushing to. So, uh, but with that being said, dude, your voice um, is still raspy. It, dude, I just a don't little think it's bit. coming back. Like, this is where we're at. I mean, I think, it, 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 I think it's progressed like every show, but it has, it, yeah. it's, it's just got that rasp to it. Yeah, it definitely, you know, maybe, again, maybe this is just the way it's going to be going forward. You know, I mean, everybody, you know, not everybody, but some people talk about, you know, liking to have that little bit of a rasp, that rockiness to their voice. Maybe, you know, maybe this plays into my favor. Uh, I'm coping right now. I, That's what I'm doing. Okay. If if they, uh, maybe if only if they listen on the, like the listening only platforms, not YouTube, because then it doesn't even know favors because people have to look at you too. Appreciate that. Um, moving on to talk about baseball because at the time of people are going to be watching or listening to this. If, if Tyler, if he had his choice, apparently would just be listening to this. 
Um, <laughs> it's probably going to be opening day for the MLB, which is pretty crazy to think that the time has come already. Um, but yes, Thursday, kicking off the MLB season, the Pirates are in Cincinnati. And uh, let's give some predictions. I think it's time for a little bit of a prediction show. I was talking with Tyler like right before we started recording. I, I couldn't remember if we did something similar or not, like when we started talking about spring training, because I'll get when I get to one of my predictions here, you'll see why I'm saying this. But we never went through and actually did like a record prediction or like where we think the team's going to be, you know, um, talked about who we think should be the best pitcher, best hitter, yada, 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 so on and so forth. So that's what we mm-hmm. want to do here. Um, so first and foremost, I, I don't know that I'm taking a huge leap here. I did the same thing last year. I made a bet with Doran Dickerson. It didn't play out well. I don't think the Pirates are losing 100 games this year. First and foremost. Yeah, you know, that's a, that's a pretty bold take. Yeah. Well, based off, I didn't think they would do it back-to-back years, and that's why I made that bet with Doran, because it's hard to do it once, let alone two years in a row. Well, it's so funny because the Pirates have done it, I think it's like five or six times in their team's history, and the fact that like when a team does it once, that that's a big deal because I feel like a lot of baseball fans make it seem like it's pretty easy to lose 100 games, when in reality it's pretty hard to lose 100 games, and at times it has to seem – throughout the season, like you're also trying to lose some games. Yeah. Um, that wasn't the case for the Pirates. They were just bad, and they managed to do it in back-to-back seasons. So mm-hmm. exactly. not only not only was it a rare season because they lost 100 games, they did it back-to-back just to screw over your bet, and I'm really convinced of that. And also, it's like, dude, if they would have brought up, you know, Cruz sooner than they had, like, I mean, there's just so many things going back to last year's team where it's like, Literally, because they lost exactly 100. Like, one game makes me win that bet. A one-game difference makes me win Sharon that Ting bet. was fading you on that and bet. I hate him. For a, lot, <laughs> for a lot of reasons, but specifically this right now, because this is on my mind now. Anyway, I don't think they lose 100 games. I've been, like, really going back and forth with this. Like, I'm, I've had the exact, like, this range in my mind of where I think they're going to be. And that range is in, like, the 70 to... I don't like I really think if if everything goes right okay meaning Brian's bat comes around he stays healthy Cruz I think you just like live with the throwing errors that he's going to have but like if he takes the next leap he really with the 40 home runs he's gonna hit yeah yeah I mean I I, that that's a that's a pretty steep number but like 30 sure I could definitely get on board with I just, he's going to struggle, I still think, against lefties. But I, I think towards the end of last season, he looked like a more patient hitter against lefties. They weren't getting as many chases against him. All this to say, I've settled on the number of 72. 72 and 90 is my record prediction for the Pirates. I I, I don't know if this is like a false hope of mine. I'm like a little more op- optimistic. I'm really? also going to say they have Even a, I'm not going to say like they I'm- have a winning record. Yeah, I'm not going to go that far, but I do have them winning more games than you. I actually have them going. What would the math be? Seventy-seven and eighty-five. Yeah. Okay. And 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 I I would, I would have them in my head. I imagined where I think they're going to finish in the NL Central and what number would associate with that. And <laughs> that so I have third. them finishing third in the NL yeah. Central. Yeah. I think so. I mean, so I, I I think seventy-seven and, and eighty-five. Maybe that's a little rich. Maybe that's a little optimistic, but. Like what you're saying, like if, if if things start to click now, do they ever click in Pittsburgh? No, but if they start to click for this team and people stay healthy, they stay consistent. 
we've seen that like this this can be a pretty good ball club um especially with the bats i feel like so i i think that maybe that's a little optimistic pick but i i see them winning i mean 75 plus games in my opinion well yeah here's the thing that i'm looking at too like and maybe this is because i feel like 70 even based off winning 62 like an eight win increase is pretty solid but you have a decent in my opinion like it's a much better lineup this year now is all that still going to be around after the trade deadline i hope so like they need to stop selling regardless like you know it's kind of like going back to last year with like the whole where i was at with jose quintana like is there going to be a piece here to like here or there like would it make sense to move santana possibly at the deadline or g-man Choi or rich hill if those guys are performing potentially but like i'm just so sick of them going into that mode um i could i'm about to like go off on a tangent but i won't um but you look at what they have at the mlb level right now and it's like okay if they can get through if they can just like bide their time until whenever they're going to be willing to bring up andy rodriguez or whenever we're going to see mike burrows luis ortiz like these guys that are going to help this major league team this year just not opening day it's almost like looking at it last year when it's like, when is Cruz going to come up? And that's why I felt better about last year's team that they weren't going to lose 100, knowing that like Cruz, Contreras, those guys were going to be contributors at, contributors at the MLB level. If it would have happened sooner than it did, they wouldn't have lost 100. So, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think it's out of question for them to win 75 games or so. 77 you have them at. I ha- I was debating somewhere in the 70 to 75 range, but... um. Yeah, especially in the Central, to your point. You have them third in the Central. Like, the Cardinals are the clear-cut favorites, I think. Like, Sarge and I did an MLB yeah. show. Oh, I think yeah. you would agree with that. Yeah. And then and then you really start to have, like, a conversation. I think that, like, the Cubs were really the only team in the division that looked like they were interested in adding at the MLB level this offseason. Dansby Swanson, um, you know, a, a buy low on Cody Bellinger, I think was a sneaky good move. Jameson Tyon, they gave a decent amount of money to. And then I look at like Milwaukee, clearly not interested in adding at the MLB level. And I don't think Corbin Burns is going to be a brewer a year from now. The Reds, I, to me, that's like the one I'm definitely putting behind the pot. So I think like the Pirates and Brewers are basically competing for third. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And that, that's why whenever I was looking at the NL Central, which overall isn't that great of, of a division. I mean, they, they, they could only have one playoff team I think this so. year. Yeah. So. I, I just think that the there's a very real possibility that the Pirates could play themselves into third place. I'm not going to say they're going to finish second because I think that's that's a little too too much of a prediction. But I don't think they're going to finish last either, which they they technically tied for last last year, didn't they? Yeah. Or, or, yep. So the strength or lack thereof of the NL Central is probably going to play into their favor of their win total more than anything else. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that what what you mentioned too, like the waiting on guys th- this year, I think it's a little different than last year. Like we were waiting on hitters. Oh, that's it felt like. Yeah. Uh, we were waiting on bats this well, year. And we're, we're just waiting on like well, and the, the guy. Yeah, you know, we're waiting on pitching this year, and mm-hmm. and I I think that the bats are are good enough to tide the Pirates over several months into the season, but I don't think the pitching is there yet. I, I, I don't think I it's agree. consistent enough to to keep them above water. I agree. The only thing is, like, their biggest glaring weakness is at catcher, which is where Andy Rodriguez is going to be playing. That's why that aspect of it is so frustrating. Yeah. But, 
you know, I, yeah. I, it's, and I think what even what makes it even more frustrating is you see like Jordan Walker or the Cardinals, who I picked to win the National League Rookie of the Year, twenty years old, twenty one years old maybe, and then you know Volpe with the Yankees also making their MLB roster. Like you see teams doing this now, and and I get it, I get, I know why he's not for the Pirates. It's just you would love to see them start to do some things differently. Like imagine the good faith that it would have brought. Like you're going to have the people that feel how they do about the pirates regardless. Right. But imagine the good faith that would be restored with like the rational fans. If you would have had Andy Rodriguez on the opening day roster and had a Reynolds extension done before opening day. Yeah. Where this fan no, that's true. That's true. No, instead they're going to do the Reynolds extension the morning of opening day. Like it's going to be like the same thing as Brian. Keith. Yeah. 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 Well, but, hopefully Reynolds doesn't so, get hurt. But, the thing day. that drives me nuts too when I'm when I think about it more, and listen, I fully understand why a team like the Pirates and other small market teams they wait for June to call up some of these players. I get they value that service time, but to me, that also can kind of say I don't believe in this team enough where we I think that we're going to make a run at something, so we're going to wait to call this guy up. I, I think mm. it can be interpreted that way, like like and then there's no way I think Ben Sherrington should think that they're going to make the playoffs this year. Mm-hmm. But I'm if you're not willing to bring up somebody from opening day, to me that just means for the season, you're you're thinking that you're not going to do much in terms of like contending. So that that's kind of the way that I've started to look at it um as well as so just you think outside like outside the service time. You think if they have a guy, you know, maybe next year it's like a, a Nick Gonzalez or something, right? Say like his his he turns it around because it seems like he's kind of a diminishing prospect. But anyway, say like he is viewed as a legit prospect going into the next season. It looks like he's like right on the cusp. The, the Pirates have, to your point, maybe they win 77 games this year and they feel like they're about to take a leap next year. If he's right on the cusp, you think that would it make he would like the Pirates would be willing to afford him the opportunity because they feel like they're going to be a better team in 2024. If he if he has a good enough season where he he's on the cusp of like being an NHL or MLB player, yes, yeah. I, I I think I maybe Henry Davis would make would because make sense because the way I look at it too is like none of these guys unless they get extended by the Pirates, none of these guys see the ends of their contracts anyway. So what what's it really matter if they they lose? I mean, even though they're playing, they lose a year of service time. They're not really going to lose a year because they're going to get traded eventually anyway, most likely. So if they're going to add value to your team from game one, I, I just don't see the reasoning in doing so. Like last Especially year, when you, when I, I can at least – I can understand now looking at how bad the Pirates were, why you did that with O'Neill Cruz. But if you were close to maybe being contending or like pushing for like more than a winning season – I'm in the camp of just just start the guy from day one and have him bring value to the team immediately. Yeah. Um, also, you want to hear something terrible. Like, what's interesting about recording this podcast and, and doing it in real time but not putting it out in real time and then you guys watch or listen to it, like, in the future. Um, two things here. One is related to the Pirates, and I'll get to that in a second. But I just looked at my phone like a couple minutes ago, right? And it was 1-1 Islanders and Caps. And uh, the Maple Leafs had a 2-1 lead on the Panthers. Florida and the Islanders both won. (laughs) 
So not a great night That's for the great. Pittsburgh Penguins after dropping last night's game. But anyway, I do want to mention also, this is related to the Pirates, and this just happened less than 10 minutes ago. Uh, Jason Mackey putting out that there was plenty of conversation today on the Brian Reynolds front. The deadline by both sides being viewed as first pitch tomorrow, so it could go right up until that deadline. Genuine interest in getting something done from both sides has been discussion on structure of the deal, and it should be a fascinating next 18 hours. Okay, so so we're in for another key. We're in for another Cabrian Hayes. I mean, that's what you Hayes said before I even yeah. opening opening day. I think it would just again. I, there's going to be people that no matter what happens with the Pirates, they're going to look at them the same way. But you get something like that done, it makes you know the people that are fans that have stuck by you feel you know a little bit of gratification, if you will. Um, it, it's just you know, acting in good faith, like rewarding a guy for what he's done, what you think he's going to do. And again, like I've talked about this with some people, I don't know if I've talked about it on here. I don't feel as bad about it, even if he continues, because he took like a, a decline, his defensive play took a decline last season. I don't feel as bad about that with the addition of the DH to the NL, like as this contract mm-hmm. continues to progress. I'm not talking about next season, because like hopefully until he's like 34, 35, 36, this isn't even a conversation. But on the back end of this deal, which is where people are like worried about paying him, you know, in the area of twenty million dollars per season, he's a DH at that point potentially if the defense continues to diminish. So you have that flexibility. So that's where I'm at with it. I have no qualms about giving him, you know, six plus years at over a hundred million dollars. I don't either. And and like you said, for fans that haven't necessarily turned on the pirates completely and they still want to see the team do good. This just kind of show. This would show that we are not going into the season watching a sinking ship. Yeah, exactly. I, I just I think it's like going back to like last year, talking about just wanting things to watch. Like this is just something to be excited about. When you know, as a Pirates fan, you're just looking for little things to be excited about. There's going to be a time where it's like you know, fun. They're contention and they're in contention. I don't think we're quite there yet. I kind of think we're in that like 2011, 2012 area. Um, I don't think we're quite the 2013 yet. But nope. But we're gonna be tied for first tomorrow or today when you're listening to this. There you go. Or yep. maybe yesterday when you're listening to this <laughs> after they win on opening day. That's true. Some people might not be listening to this until like Friday because we got the we got Bucks and Pucks tomorrow. First time. Yeah. So yeah. So we are going to be tied for first place in the NL Central and the MLB if you want to go that far. Yeah. Wow. Pennant. Pennant race is on. <laughs> um, all right. So now getting into we both gave some record predictions. Who do you think is going to be the best pitcher on the team? And this could be uh a starter, a reliever, maybe somebody that's not here yet. Literally, you can go anywhere, any pitcher of the staff, not just the rotation. I, I this might be a stereotypical pick for Pirates fans this season, but I'm going to go Mitch Keller. I think he finally figured it out, um, and yeah. I, I, I think he's finally found a way to have consistency. That was the biggest problem with Mitch Keller was he looked good in one start and then would be awful for the next couple, and it mm-hmm. seemed like a couple seasons of that. And last year, he finally turned that corner and turned it around. And I think he's continued that into this season and really just changed his game in a way where he's able to go into starts and I don't feel anxious, at least not yet. But I I, I think that he's going to be the clear-cut best pitcher, not just like in the rotation, but on, on this team this season. 
Yeah, I mean, I think it's him or, you know, another probably popular pick would be David Bednar. I think the question with him just is going to be, does he finish the season with the Pirates? You know, he's another one, like depending on how the season goes, would they consider moving him at the deadline? I hope not, um, but yet to be seen, obviously. Um, I think that they would, you know, have to get a massive haul for him, assuming that he performs well. Um, I want to say Keller, maybe, you know, I'll go a little bit, I'll go a little bit off script here. And I don't know that the sample size is going to be there. I know he's going to come up at some point this year. I think Brubaker getting hurt opens the door even more. I think when we just look at a per start basis, so not obviously he's not going to have the innings or anything like that. But when we look at a per start basis, bias pick here, I'm going to go Mike Burrows. Okay. No, I respect that. And here's I, I the reason. They... I think uh, uh, there's going to be injuries. So I think he's going to get an opportunity regardless. I also think that like within the rotation, even ahead of him, performance is going to lead to him getting a bigger shot than we think. Probably. I mean, like I said, pitching to me is the thing that hinders this team the most. Um, yeah, so. I will say if, if Vince Velasquez, pretty solid spring. I mean, if he can continue to do what he does, I think obviously he's going to still be a question mark, though. Like Rich Hill at his age was still effective, but like that could that could stop at any moment. You know, you so you got Johan Oviedo on the back end kind of filling in for Brubaker right now. Even when Brubaker's healthy, what's he going to be? I, I mean, there's just so many questions to me, like throughout the rotation i would say like after keller but even for keller like is he going to be able to repeat off what he did last season for roanzi like does he take the next step he's still only 23 years old i think last year it was kind of just like i i don't want to say that he wasn't like tipping pitches or anything like that but when you only got like a three pitch mix you know so i mean to me is he going to be able to add another pitch effectively that's the question for him and then yeah as we get further on through the rotation i just think there's a lot of question marks so again i'm not saying this guy's going to like have the the best era of the team he's going to qualify i don't think he's going to pitch enough innings all these things i just think when we look at it by the end of the season on a per start basis mike burrows will be their most effective starting pitcher we're going to be wrong and it's going to be rich hill let's be honest i mean hey the forty-two-year-old is going to be the best pitcher. I I would be less surprised by that than if it were you know Velasquez, Oviedo, even Brubaker. Yeah, probably. honestly, Rich Hill would probably be like right. my my second or third pick if yeah. I was like trying to be like very realistic with it. And not going. And as of right now, he's probably the second or third best pitcher in the rotation. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I feel just as good about him as anybody in the rotation to start the season at least. Now yeah. their ability might be a question, but um, okay, the best hitter. Okay, so I think there's two different categories that I can I can put best hitter in. Okay. If I'm I, okay, so if I'm going to go for hitting for average or hitting for uh, getting on base, I'm going to go Brian Reynolds. But if I'm mm-hmm. just going to go hitting for slugging, hitting for power, I'll go O'Neill Cruz. So I know that's kind of a cop out, kind of cheating. I'm I'm getting to pick two guys. But I feel like those are two different players. They're, they're two different types of batters and what you expect from them as batters. And, and so that's why it's it's tough for me to answer just one because I feel like one is going to be better at getting on base and hitting for average, while the other is going to be better at – he'll have a higher slugging percentage and he'll have more home runs and stuff like that. So those are my two that I would look at for who I would consider best hitter. And I think that probably just depends on what you value out of a hitter. 
I it's so my pitch Brian Reynolds. I almost want him to not get extended for this to come true. <laughs> I don't think he's the type of guy that's like going to get paid and then, you know, not play as well. But if he were playing for a contract going into this season, I think a pissed off Brian Reynolds would have an even better season than what I'm projecting he's going to if he gets paid. But um yeah, I mean model of consistency for them and I just think like this year, now he's actually got some decent lineup protection. You're not going to be able to pitch around him as much. Yeah, I think that, like, people have an idea, I think, at this point of how good Brian Reynolds is. But, like, on a national level, I think that it's about to go to a new level when you talk about now, like, a full season of O'Neill Cruz hitting behind him, presumably. Like, you still got Andrew McCutcheon who can get on base. I think Carlos Santana, G-Man Choi, like, it's a solid MLB lineup this year as opposed to last year where it's like, okay, let's pitch around Brian Reynolds because we got Jack Sawinski hitting behind him. I mean, like, yeah, it wasn't an MLB lineup that Brian Reynolds was hitting in last year. This year, it's a lot different for me. So Brian Reynolds is my pick, and I think it's the easy pick. Yeah, that that is an easy one. I went off the map a little bit with Burroughs, so I'm coming back down to earth here picking Brian Reynolds for this one. Um, biggest disappointment on the team. Oh, man. Hmm. I this one is tough for me because I, I think it's it's gonna be how people interpret disappointment. I, I'm I'm really working my way around these questions. Um b- because I, I feel like it's not gonna be a disappointment in terms of like he's gonna play awful, but for what I feel like fans' expectations of what this guy could be. I'm going to say Brian Hayes, specifically his bat. I don't think he's Ooh. going to okay. turn it around to where we would like him to be with his bat. And so that's why I'm going to say it's a disappointment. Like it, it, It's not necessarily that he's going to be a terrible player. You know he's still going to have the glove at third base. And I th- still think he's going to be an okay batter, but mm-hmm. not where he should be or not where he, he wants to be and where Pirates fans want him to be. So I would say that's going to be the biggest disappointment is watching him not take that next step in the batter's box. What's funny is Sarge and I did an MLB preview show for my YouTube channel and Sarge picked T. Brian Hayes as his like breakouts, like player for all of not just the Pirates, like all of baseball. So you guys are a very opposite ends of the spectrum in terms of where he's going to be at offensively. I, I mean, for me, I just got, I got to see it. Like we know what he can do in the field. I think last year we saw like the floor of him as a baseball player where you're getting that gold love caliber defense, but at the plate, he didn't, he didn't provide much. And this just goes back to the point again, like with Brian Reynolds, like with as bad as T Brian was at the plate last year, like once you traded Vogelbach, like he was probably still like your second or third best hitter every single night, despite as bad as he was offensively last year, which is crazy. So um, I definitely can understand that he Brian pick like if, it, if it's still the way that he was last year now in an approved lineup um, that that I could definitely get on board with that. Um, I hope that that's not the case. And I think it's more about like health than anything else. I think if that wrist is good to go, he's going to get better launch angle. And I think that that's going to help if he's able to elevate that baseball. I think that'll do wonders for him. Um, for me, I'm going to go with one of the recent additions. I actually mentioned his name when I was talking about it being a more major league level lineup. G-Man Choi is going to be my disappointment for the team this year. And I don't even really know like what predictions are for him, but I just envision a world right now. Okay, so hear me out. I envision a world right now 
where Santana ends up being like primarily the first base option. And then like G-Man Choi is playing DH, but not hitting that well. And then, you know, say like somebody that's in the minors right now, like a Travis Swaggerty or something gets an opportunity to come out here and we're using one of the other outfielders, whether it's like McCutcheon, Swaggerty himself, maybe sometimes Brian Reynolds in that DH spot and Choi because of performance isn't even in the lineup at this point. So I envision a world uh, where based off the way I'm seeing this, where Choi does because we've been talking about like Santana and Choi is like first base and DH. I think there's a world where it's just Santana in the everyday lineup. Yeah. I How, mean, you know, I, I, what if I were to just say, what if I were to say, yeah, this would really break the hearts of people. What if I said Kutch? You know, I, I considered going <laughs> him too. And honestly, I don't think it's because I think he's going to play terribly. I think it's going to be because the, the overall expectations from the general Pirates fan public is going to be, I feel so high from him. But I feel like at least for most fans there's going to be blinders on like they Mm -hmm. are not going to really see Kutch for what he is if he's playing poorly and they're just going to see Andrew McCutcheon and and that's going to be enough for them while people who really are looking into how he's performing and what he's adding to the team (laughs) they take those blinders off and they can see that he's not being productive for the team so I was debating on using Kutch as my example as well um but I I I just think Kutch is probably going to be a middle-of-the-road player. I don't think he's going to be anywhere near what he was in Pittsburgh with his first stint, but I don't think he's going to be an awful player. I think he's going to contribute with his bat, occasionally with his defense if he needs to. But I I just feel like he's just going to be a fairly average to above-average baseball player, not not really anything special. How wild would it be, though, if he just totally turned back the clock? and Uh, had like 2012? Yeah, 2012, 2013 (laughs) year. Even 2015, he was really good too. I mean, yeah. Uh, um, that, that would be pretty wild. And, and if that's the case, this team, then that team should be a contending <laughs> team. If yeah. the pitching is that bad, where if you get 2013 cuts, 2012 cuts, plus everything else that you should be getting from the bats, and you, you're not contending, it has to be from the pitching. Yeah. Um, all right, and then finally, the the nicest. So, you know, that kind of sucks to talk about who you feel like should be the biggest disappointment on the opposite end of the spectrum. Who do you feel like is going to be the nicest surprise for the team? Uh, I'll steal the one that you had mentioned before we started recording um, and one mm. that you uh, we think have mentioned on a prior show, yeah. but we're not sure where the topic came from. Rodolfo Castro, I think he's going to provide consistency at second base. Something I feel like the Pirates have needed the last few seasons. I mean, since Adam Frazier, since he was gone, they haven't really yeah. had that at second base. So, mm-hmm. I, and they've been even just throwing guys at second base who have never really played there that much. So, I think that that's going to be somebody who, as long as he can provide, now he hasn't had like a, a great spring training with the bat, but as long as he can provide uh, a little bit with his bat, I think his defense will be consistent enough where you're going to actually have a consistent second baseman for your everyday lineup. And so I I think despite what I'm talking breakout, breakout should be someone who who could like be batting pretty well. But I think if he's an average hitter with with his defensive play and hopefully consistency in the lineup alone, I I think that that'll be enough to be considered hitting a breakout. Yeah. So when I talked about this before, I think it's because I I envision a world where he's almost like a 
this team's version of Josh Harrison where he's playing good enough defense at enough spots, like if necessary. I mean, ideally, you look around the diamond, it's like if he can just make his home as the everyday second baseman, that's good enough. Um, I can definitely get on board with that. That was my pick earlier, but just to kind of like switch things up, I thought about another guy who really good spring enough to make the opening day roster should be in the lineup tomorrow. Cannon Smith and Jigba. Um, really great spring. He's going to be one of the starting outfielders, it looks like, especially because like on the opposite side of that, even though he's making the team, Jack Sawinski really bad spring. Like if it was just based off performance and nothing else, I don't know how Jack Sawinski made this team over Travis Swaggerty, but he did. Um, Cannon Smith and Jigba, really nice spring. I think, you know, I think that the biggest question is going to be how good is he going to be defensively? They don't have like a, and that's another thing with like Swaggerty is he would have been their best defensive outfielder had he made this team. So, uh, Interesting decision there, but Smith and Jigba offensively, I think he's going to provide enough. I think, you know, if he makes his home as like an everyday corner outfielder, that's a very different conversation that we thought we were having at the end of last season where I thought he was on his way out. Like he went into this spring probably on his last leg in the organization and he won himself a starting job. So, I mean, shout out to him for that. And now it's because of that. I just think he's going to continue that momentum into the regular season and know it's like, okay, it was probably between me and Travis for one spot. That leash cannot be very long. So he's got to just continue to play the way he did this spring. And the first question he's going to be asked after his first start is, what team's going to draft your brother? <laughs> Jackson will be in Pittsburgh, by the way, for the home opener. Oh, cool. Which is going to be really talking cool. to the team. Um, since we're giving predictions right now, and you just brought that up, what team is it going to be? Oh man, I don't know. I off the top of my head, yeah. Hold on, can I look up the draft order real quick? I'm going Seattle. Pick number twenty. That was a name that, like, whenever you first asked it, that was one of the names that popped in my head. Yep. I'm gonna go. I just hope it's not the Ravens. That's like my worst nightmare. Is that he falls to twenty two. Oh, who's going to throw to him now? Who knows? Huntley? Tyler Huntley. Pro Bowler Tyler Huntley. Yeah, it's a thing. You know, they still got another Pro Bowl quarterback there, regardless of how the Lamar thing plays out. Um, I'm going to say... Houston with their second pick. Okay. That's what, 12? Uh, Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's tough because uh, how many that would have are to be the want... first receiver from this class. I'm thinking, like that it would have to be. Yeah, and yeah. and the, but it's tough for me to like look at a lot of these teams and think that they're going to value receiver high enough in this class to take one in the first round. Like yep. any team ahead of 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 Houston, I could say no, 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 no. Except for maybe like Tennessee at pick eleven. I. But th- yeah. there's just there's just multiple picks where I don't know. Smith and but. Jigba and maybe Addison would be the only two I would take in the first round. I would take a ton on day two, but I'm not even sold on Addison around one. Anyway, um, well we're done with with the Pirates baseball. That's why he won't stuff. be round one. He'll be pick thirty two with the Steelers. <laughs> um, speaking of the Steelers, a uh, couple news and notes here. Uh, Zach Gentry re-signed this past week, and um, 
I think that people were happy about it just because of like the grilling and chilling thing. Yeah, Pat Ryan was happy. I caught a lot of flack for saying that I wasn't like really happy about the re-signing. I mean, we're talking about. I do think he's take he he's a better football player than what he was a few years ago. Like leaps and bounds, he's improved. I mean, this is a guy that wasn't even a tight end not that long ago. Um, but we're talking about a tight end two that isn't a very good blocker. When your tight end one, it also isn't a very good blocker. And I say that, and I got a lot of flack for this too. Your tight end three is short and not a good blocker. Yeah, that <laughs> he is a Pat Fryermuth graded out as one of the better pass block or yeah pass blocking tight ends in football i do not care how good of a pass blocking tight end is because i want him on any passing situation to be running routes that is what his strength is he's basically a big slot receiver in my opinion so i don't care that pat frymuth is a good blocking tight end because he's not a good run blocking tight end zach gentry isn't you just mentioned connor hayward too i mean i don't even consider him really a tight end so i don't even like to lump him in there he's a fullback tight end hybrid yeah but for me, re-signing Gentry, and like, should he change their draft plans? I don't think. But when you only have six picks, I feel less inclined to say that they're going to get involved in this tight end class now after re-signing Gentry. And this is the best tight end class that has come out since I got like really involved in covering the draft. I mean, there are there's like six guys that are in my top fifty players overall, but there's probably more like 10 to 12 that I think automatically would be the tight end two on this football team and be able to play right away. The biggest thing with me, and I'm kind of like really unfazed by the Gentry signing. Like I don't really care too much that it happened. Um, I don't love it. I don't hate it, but I just don't see how it improves the Steelers this season. You kind of see what he is and, and see what production he's gotten. I don't really think that he's going to improve much more off of what he is right now and and besides most of the targets that gentry gets you're going to want pat frymuth to get anyway and so i Mm -hmm. think the the thing that could really improve the steelers is what you were talking about a blocking tight end to help in that run game which they just don't have and so i don't see how this signing improves the steelers really at all i don't think it would it should change draft plans that they're planning on looking at a tight end in that department but like you said with the limited draft capital it makes it tougher to make that decision yeah that's the thing it's like i i don't hate gentry coming back if you have you know eight draft picks there's something like that to me like the all this talk is about not having a slot receiver on the steelers right now right i think you have a slot receiver in pat fryermuth what if you added and this was in my mind you could have added you know, your inline tight end at pick 32, say he gets there in Darnell Washington. And I'm thrilled. Not only like, I think he has a ton of room to grow into as a receiver, but that's like having a, an extra offensive lineman. Like you talk about mm-hmm. the play of the tackles, but put Darnell Washington next to one of those tackles. And they're, that, that's just better. They're better. They are, they are a better front. They are better in the trenches. If you add Darnell Washington to that group, I do not see that happening. Um, I don't even know that I necessarily saw it happening before, but that would be like that to me is a solution, right? For the, the problem that you have in the slot, because Pat Farmuth is is a glorified slot receiver that's listed as a tight end. If you just said this is our slot player in Pat Farmuth and actually added an inline player in Darnell Washington, two birds with one stone, in my opinion. Yeah, no, I agree. And I mean, a couple of uh, the thing about this tight end class, too, is like 
Darnell Washington is one of the ones that it's actually good at, good at blocking. Um, and I feel mm-hmm. like some of them are okay at blocking, but uh, the other ones that you're talking about that at that range, like Dalton Kincaid and Michael uh, Mayer. Dalton Kincaid's like to me the best pass King- catcher in this class. Dalton Kincaid is a wide receiver. Let, let's yeah. let's just say it for what it and is. And he might be wide receiver one <laughs> in this class. So Yeah. Yeah. No, he 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 definitely could be. But he is a wide receiver. Um, and, and that's kind of how him and Keithy at Utah, which Keithy it was got hurt in like their third or fourth game. Um, but you look at what what the just the size and the build of those those players, they're not tight ends, even though they play yeah. the tight end position. Mayor can do both, but Mayor can do both. Um, but you know, I, I just think that it, it would have been smarter to get a blocking tight end. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't think that this team or the this uh move really like hurts the Steelers too much except for the fact that it might prevent them no. from banging in a blocking yeah. tight end. No, it, it's not like a needle moving type deal here. I just, yeah, when I put that out, it's just, I'm a little disappointed that in my mind, it means they're not getting involved in what I consider the best tight end class to come out in a very long time. Like it's just as simple as that. That doesn't mean that all of a sudden I'm like, Oh man, the Steelers are going to suck that year because they brought back Zach Gentry and aren't drafted a tight end. No, it's just, if I had my choice here, we weren't bringing back Zach Gentry. And again, two birds with one stone. I think he could have moved Pat Fryermuth and just said like, okay, we're obviously he's going to be listed as a tight end. He could play in line some, sometimes, but really that's your, that's your big slot. They, they, they've always worked best with a big slot. They haven't had really a good slot option since Juju was lining up there. Let Pat Fryermuth basically say- be the slot receiver and you got Darnell Washington. <laughs> They work well with a big slot, unless it was Chase Claypool. Yeah, he doesn't count. <laughs> also, they weren't even like using him anyway. Not not that like I was a big fan, and like I'm sitting here making a bunch of excuses for his lack of production. Canada doesn't doesn't really know how to use slots anyway. So like, don't waste a pick on specifically a slot. Just let a guy in the roster already in Fryermuth become that. Oh, we know how to use a slot. They're gonna run two yards downfield. And then immediately run to the middle of the field and just. Hey, I think you're going to the say ball. they're just going to run the ball because they actually had more rush attempts last year. Oh, that that's true. Actually, <laughs> that is yeah. true. And, and and hey, Claypool did have a few rushing touchdowns from that way. So credit yeah. where credits due. Um, the other one that kind of stinks here, losing Terrell Edmonds to Philly. Um, pretty clear Especially in my when mind. You look at the contract. That's the thing is, I'm curious to get your take on this because, I'll be honest. I'm now it's like really got my gears going and remember I I brought up that conversation that I've had with somebody about the Steelers interest or maybe lack thereof like not saying they would totally that he wouldn't be on their board at all but if you remember me saying I have been told the Steelers maybe aren't as high on Joey Porter Jr. as like perception seems because of the lack of ball production. Is this just like them, you know, basically offering Terrell Edmonds nothing to come back? They said they made an offer who that was obviously less than $2 million. Um, and, and even KZ's back at like under $2 million. So mm-hmm. they weren't really investing money into that position. Is this them, but them prioritizing K, KZ over Edmonds? Do you think it's possible that like this all plays in together where this is like their statement and their philosophy being we want guys on the back end to be about turnovers? Edmonds doesn't create turnovers, so maybe he just wasn't seen as part of the future for that reason. That could be, but you know, and I'm not the Steelers, so I can't speak for him, but that just seems yeah, kind is- of 
kind of like a a high expectation to have that all of your guys create turnovers in that way. Like, like you can't expect every guy to be Minka. And I I feel like for what Edmonds did and what he he showed in 2021 and 2022 is that he is valuable in in that defensive backs room. And he brings value when he's on the field. It might not be in the turnovers, but especially in like in the run game, I feel like Edmonds is a really valuable player. And and communicator on the back end. I I just think that maybe they didn't, if that's the case, they're not, they're not valuing that the same way that I do. Um, and and it's it's confusing to me why uh, that would be the case uh, unless it's like you're saying like he just doesn't create turnovers doesn't create splash plays so maybe they just wanted to move on um, and, and maybe they do want to move on I mean this is a guy that uh, they brought him back on a one year deal last year and their their options really were giving him a contract extension for probably a couple of years or moving on and finding someone new. I don't mm-hmm. think KZ is the answer. I don't think he's a replacement for Edmonds. Um, but I think that was a start of trying to help keep around guys that could replace him. You're going to see that probably in the draft as well. And I wonder how much does this uh, – so you mentioned Joey Porter Jr. How much does their their need for safety now to open up a guy like Brian Branch at 17 for you? Uh, Even though they're well, not the same player. Yeah. Just – just well, that's the thing is I would have I would have been you know fine with Brian Branch with Edmonds on the roster because to me I just don't he's not a strong safety like really the only thing that he's going to do that Edmonds did is play something like Edmonds was playing in the slot last year a little bit too Brian Branch is a slot corner you can list him at safety but I think most of his work is going to be done in the nickel um, so I think like he could re- replicate that of what you're losing I think you play in the box a little bit. Um, but I think because of him and listen, I still like really love him as a player. He, he's probably gonna be in my top 10 overall players of this class, but because he has like four or five speed and not in that four, four range, which I was hoping he was at, he doesn't have that long speed. He's not gonna be able to cover great ground. You're not going to ask him to play like a center field ever. Like, you know, I'm not even sure he's going to see a lot of like two high looks. So I think that's where KZ probably comes in more than anybody else. I don't think that they're going to invest that high in a guy to replace like what Edmonds role was in the box and stuff like that. I would have been very interested in giving Taylor Rapp the same deal that he got in Buffalo. Um, Cause that's like their third safety. They're probably going to use him basically as that like dime linebacker eighth guy in the box role, which is what you're looking at this point to replace by losing Edmonds. I, because yeah, like despite it being, you can replace some of what Edmonds did with KZ and what you have on the roster right now. I don't think you have like that, that again, eighth guy to add into the box in like known run situations that Edmonds was giving you right now. So like how high are they going to invest a pick in that at this point? Or is it just like somebody else? And there's not a name in free agency that I'm looking at as like, okay, this is the, because Taylor Rapp was the last one. Um, It'll be interesting to see what they do. I think, you know, they, they've they met and they've talked a lot with Jair Brown out of Penn State. I think he can make some sense. Um, There's actually been some talk about this, though. What if it's a guy that's listed as a linebacker that, that you know, has kind of like safety, tra- like Trenton Simpson? Marcus Allen. Let's go. We're <laughs> bringing him back. Somebody listed actually mentioned, somebody, somebody mentioned that to me. Somebody mentioned that to me actually on Twitter, and because they assumed he was on the roster still, they didn't even know he's a free agent. That's how um, irrelevant he is. But uh, yeah, like what if what if the answer is you know a Trenton Simpson or somebody like that that's like listed as a linebacker, 
but really has more of like the, the safety traits when you talk about the well, style. As long the, as they, the, as long as they have the the mobility, I, I I would be open to an idea of that. What about this? Uh, and maybe it's it's probably not, but and this would probably have more sentimental value than anything. What about your boy from Central Valley, Jordan Whitehead? Mm. Well, that's how are they getting him? I think. I mean, I don't know uh, necessarily right now. I don't think they trade for him. Okay, but so you got what, what, if, what if the Jets release him? Would you be oh. interested? Yeah, I mean, I, I've always said that that's like a similar play style. Like, I really like Jordan's game, but it's 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 limited. I mean, I know that he had two interceptions in Pittsburgh. That's not you know the type of player that he is. Um, he's best around the box. He's he's really physical. He's good at you know contributing in the run game. Um, I, I think he's similar to Edmonds as a player. So, I think that that's a you know, maybe a, a slight upgrade because there's a, a little bit of a uh, ball skills improvement. But um, yeah, I think that, that that's a that's a great trade off if if they were to somehow make that happen. I thought you just meant like you know next, but you can't just really like just totally ignore it for a season and hope to get the guy. In no, 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 no. I, I meant like so uh, they brought in Chuck Clark, didn't they? The Jets. Yeah. So mm-hmm. maybe they get into a situation where he gets released. How, however unlikely it could be. Yeah, I mean, if they're going to bring in Rodgers and then have to accommodate him in what seems like everything that he's looking for, they're going to be right up against it. So, which can yeah, we I, can we say whether or not Rodgers is on the Jets or not? Is that confirmed by anybody yet? No, because, I mean that's they're, they're going back like, and forth about comp- compensation. So okay, because I because I feel like. He's basically a jet without being a jet. Yeah, I mean, it's I, I don't know that we've seen a situation like this where you literally have Robert Sala, the head coach, saying that Zach Wilson is QB2 when you don't have a QB1 on the roster right now. Like, it's just assumed that by the time we get to the season, Aaron Rodgers is going to be their quarterback. They keep going back and forth about the compensation. I, I wonder where your mind is at on this because there's all there's these back and forth talks with people with who has the leverage here because it's like, the, the Jets know that the Packers, like Aaron Rodgers can't be a Packer next season. They've already announced that, that Jordan Love is going to be their QB1. Aaron has said he wants to move on. The Jets are really the only destination for him at this point. Everybody else has like gotten a quarterback, and he said he wants to be a Jet. But then it's like, from the Packers' perspective, you have that dead cap regardless. Um, and, the, and they know that the Jets, this is the only option for them. So... You know where where's your mind at in in terms of leverage and who holds the cards? I I think it's in the Jets slightly, but I don't think either one has a really good hand. I think they both I, I, need to get this done. Yeah, like yeah, that, that's the thing. I th- I think it's an equal need for both sides, and I'll just say the Jets slightly because they don't technically have to make this move just i mean green bay technically doesn't have to make this move but they kind of have pretty much committed have a to 60 doing million so. dollar backup yeah yeah they've committed to doing so so the jets don't technically have to make this move they could roll the roll it back with zach wilson how bad that could be but they technically could do it um but the fact that they're saying that zach wilson is going to be qb2 when you don't have a qb1 like you said it, it, it makes it you think like they don't really have much leverage either. So I think it's pretty close to 50 50, but I'll give the slight advantage to the jets. Just seeing as like, that's his destination and they don't have to yeah. technically, but I agree. The only thing I think about too, though, is like the, the backlash of the fans 
if this if the deal doesn't go through, I think the backlash of the of the Jets fans will be much greater than backlash of the Packers fans, like just having Aaron back. Yeah. So yeah, no, that, that's true. The Jets fans are far more hungry to have Aaron than the Packers are to push him away. I think. I would be too. I mean, you see the quarterback play they get they get in New York. Yeah, that's gonna be tough for you to say, but yeah, they they need something in New York. Listen, I I am a BYU fan through and through, but Zach Wilson has stunk. We liked, yeah, I I think that we might have overvalued the landing spot because we liked the head coach Sala, but maybe didn't take into consideration how tough of a market that is to play in right away. It's a tough market, and plus uh, the Jets organization is gonna always be tough to play in. I I, I still think, despite the quarterback, whether it was. Uh, any of the other ones after Trevor Lawrence, they could have taken any of the other quarterbacks, and your lights went out. Um, they they could have taken, they could have taken any of the other quarterbacks after Trevor Lawrence was picked number one, and I still think the Jets would be in a similar situation. I don't think that it's just Zach Wilson. I I think that it's it's the culture thing as much as it is the player. Yeah. Uh, so the question, I, I feel like I know the answer. Would you be willing, not the Steelers, a different team, to give Zach Wilson a second shot somewhere? I think so. I mean, you I, and number two overall, overall pick. Like, I feel like that's it's the gonna thing. Happen, You're going to have the quote unquote pedigree of being a number two overall pick. And I look at a situation like you have in Seattle where eventually Geno Smith figured it out for a season. I, I, I feel like. Yeah quarterbacks rotate in and out so much of teams even if they're not performing that well that eventually there could be a landing spot and he may or may not figure it out whatsoever but I I think that eventually there's going to be a team besides the Jets that could be a a team that he could excel on and I think the best thing for Zach Wilson specifically would be going to a team that has a more offensive styled coach it's someone that, that like I, I think Zach Wilson would do great with a Kyle Shanahan. Um, obviously, I don't think he's going to go to the 49ers, but someone like that where offense is their thing, I feel like that's the type of coach that he would need to go to to actually excel. I think that he'll, a team will definitely probably give him a, a chance outside of New York just because of, like I said, the pedigree of being the second overall pick. He he showed the arm talent. Um he he just has been had has had really poor decision making since he's been in the NFL and, and and throwing into windows that he shouldn't and not rating the defense properly. I think those are things he needs to work on. Um, but I do think teams will still give him a chance just because he was a second overall pick. Yeah, I think he'll find another home at some point. I don't know when that's going to be. The Jets probably need to get this Rogers thing figured out and then like actually have another QB on the roster because they also lost Mike White before we really yeah. see any movement uh, with Zach Wilson, but he and could be the backup for you. I will say, I, I think being behind Aaron Rodgers, he and Aaron Rodgers get along really well. Um, they're friends with each other. And so I, I feel like that could be a case of sitting behind Rodgers. I, I, I feel like it, it would be good. I don't think it's going to be a similar situation to like Jordan Love. I, I feel like Wilson would be sitting behind him knowing that Rodgers is the starter and, I think learning a lot. Not that Jordan Love didn't learn a lot. I just feel like the relationship could be a lot different. Yeah, Jordan Love. I mean, if he's if he looks like he did in limited time, you know, last season, 
they might have something there in Green Bay. Who knows? And it maybe it will be beneficial for him to sit as long as he did, even though that was never the plan. Aaron just won MVPs, so you couldn't really do anything about it. Um, getting back to the Steelers, because there was one last thing to talk about. Bud Dupree, who we mentioned, uh, there was a lot of talk when I first brought him up weeks ago about him getting released in Tennessee, possibly. That did happen. That was fully expected to happen. Now he's visiting the Steelers. Should be at, like This is something I could have said. Like, the day that he signed that deal in Tennessee for $82.5 million, not obviously all of that guaranteed. I think it was like 30, 35 in that range guaranteed. I could have told you he's not going to play out that deal. And when whenever he doesn't, very predictively, I bet you he finds his way back to Pittsburgh. So this is like the least surprising thing. I, I don't think it's a matter of if he's going to resign with the Steelers. I think it's when. No, I, I agree. And today I saw that he posted his uh, farewell to Nashville, um, which to mm. me, obviously he was oh, so gone. Because, because, because That's what I mean. Obviously he was gone. We knew that he was released. That was That was old news. But the fact that Bud Dupree actually said something and acknowledged it, that means he's, to me, he's close to signing. And all the smoke's been around Pittsburgh. It makes total sense. The Steelers have a need at that position. I don't think so. At least from what was reported, I don't think he did. So from from a need from the Steelers and from a landing spot for Bud Dupree, you're familiar with the organization. I just feel like it makes too much sense. And again, you're talking about a very different situation for him to come back into because... It's almost like him and Alex have, have flipped roles at this point. You know, yeah. Alex, after a breakout season, very clearly the guy on the opposite end uh, of TJ Watt. But you need at least three pass rushers, ideally four in today's NFL. Um, you need a guy to give both guys breathers. And this is very much, I understand that he's not the same player, but I will take a you know, 75% version of what Bud Dupree was over a over what we got from Malik Reed last year and other guys, Cassius mm-hmm. March the year before that, whoever it's been, uh, Derek Tuska. You know, I'm not trying. Like, these guys were NFL players. I'm not trying to slight them, but very much Bud Dupree is an improvement upon what they've had as X3. I mean, Bud Dupree other is than, at their girl's house laid up. What are they gonna do? <laughs> other than that small sample size where we did have Melvin Ingram before that whole situation happened. Yeah, that was obviously like the ideal edge three, for sure. Yeah, that 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 should have worked out, but didn't. Yeah, so we both believe <laughs> Bud Dupree will find his way back to Pittsburgh. Um, you know, maybe Bud Dupree and Brian Reynolds will get contracts on the same day. Hey, honestly, it's might be shaping up that way based off what we've seen on Twitter. I, I think so. I think it'd be a really fun day, especially if the Pirates won. So, so what are the Penguins? Gonna, what are the Penguins gonna do? Lose to uh, Nashville? Probably lose. <laughs> We're just uh, not gonna talk- watch them. Let's talk about them to wrap up the show. Uh, the Penguins, it seems like uh, they can't gain any ground on on where they're at. So they're in a playoff spot right now. But the problem is whenever they do get help from, you know, the Panthers losing, the Panthers had lost four in a row before winning tonight or the Islanders losing the regulation. The Penguins are not taking advantage of these opportunities. You know, losses to Ottawa and to Detroit um, sprinkled in with wins over Colorado. Uh, they played a really good game against Dallas, but didn't get the result with the way Jake Ottinger played, who's one of the best in the business, but still looked very good. They beat the Rangers in a, in a wild fat or Capitals was the game I was thinking about. Uh, beat the Capitals in wild fashion with Evgeny Malkin scoring with just over a minute and 20 seconds left. I, this team, the only thing that's consistent about them is the inconsistency. And going back to last week, 
it doesn't matter what the situation is. You just do not feel good about this team until there are zero seconds remaining on the clock because they will just find ways to lose if they can. Like yesterday's game, as of the time of recording this, so Tuesday's game against Detroit, I felt pretty good about it when it was 4-4 until Russ took that penalty. As soon as he took that penalty, I was like, they're scoring on the power play. There's like three minutes left in the game. This is the ideal situation that the Penguins just have. They shot themselves in the foot yet again. They find this team is finding ways to make it as hard as possible on themselves. Saying all that, I still think they're going to find their way into the playoffs, which we talked about, you know, last week. Honestly, it sounds like a very, very much a loser's mentality. That's the only thing I care about. They could get swept in the playoffs, and I don't care. Just extend the playoff streak. Yeah, no, I I fully agree. And and what's crazy is I I have watched Steve Dangle, who's Toronto Maple Leafs YouTuber, He's for several best, yeah. years. And and one of the things that he has always said in his videos when he's talking about Leafs games is I, every time somebody asks him like if they think they're going to win or if, if they feel he feels comfortable watching a game for several seasons, really starting with that 2013 collapse against Boston in the playoffs for the, for the Leafs, his answer was pretty much always the same of like, no, until the clock shows zero, I know they're going to find a way to lose the game. That's kind of where I'm at with the Penguins. No matter how good they've played in the the previous minutes of a game, it doesn't matter what's happening before that. In this, in the very minute that I'm watching a Penguin game, they're going to find a way to do something to lose the game, and I feel like that's kind of been the 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 story of the season uh, of just the inconsistent play and really just shooting yourself in the foot, whether it's in depth scoring whether it's a defenders whether it's a net this team just finds ways to lose and and, yep. and it's the opposite of how we've talked about penguins teams in the past of five ways to win it's the complete opposite they could have a three goal lead like they get against the capitals and almost blew that um by the way that that had an eerily feeling to game six in 2016 hmm. against the capitals them tying yeah. three th- th- yeah yeah that had an eerie feeling um, but you know, I just feel like this team is basically treading water right now. They, they, they are trying yeah. to keep their head above water and enough where they can, where they, they, I don't know that the team, I feel like they definitely don't have the same mentality that you and I do, but I feel like probably people in the organization, whether they say it or not, have the mentality that you and I do right now, where it's just get it. Oh, yeah. just, just get into the playoffs. And from then on out, who cares? But just make the playoffs. I feel I like mean, there's definitely got to be people in the organization that are going to think that way. And and they might not say anything. They might not speak that way. But they definitely think that way. And I, I, I just feel like it would be a sigh of relief. You make the playoffs. I don't care if you get swept by Carolina or Boston or, or whichever one you end up playing. It, I feel like I don't really care at that point. You made it in. You extended the streak. I have no expectations from you from here on out. And maybe that's good with, for the Penguins. But that, that's probably just my inner hope that maybe they have nothing to play for and so they'll actually play good. In reality, they'll just get completely washed over. Um, but yeah, th- this team has been so inconsistent, finding ways to lose. It's honestly more annoying than anything 
It's it's not and it's not even that that I I really like hate watching the games. To me, even when they're losing, I'm like it's almost laughable. So it's still entertaining. At oh, this if it point. was if it wasn't the Penguins, if it was any other team, yeah, like watching how bad their first periods are, how good their second periods are, and then how how they collapse in the third. Like sign me up for that every night of the week if it's somebody else's team, just not mine. Yeah, yeah, no, it's. It, it, it's it just sucks because of how much they've kind of dug themselves into this hole and how hard it's going to be to get out looking at the current structure of the roster. You're going to free up some of the guys that are currently on there, but oh, yeah. but the, the the roster's tough. Goaltending, what the heck are they going to do this offseason? You, you have Casey DeSmith next season. You have nobody else, and we've talked about that several times. It's going to be a complete mess, I feel like, this offseason – trying to figure out how the heck do we fix this hockey team. And hopefully Ron Hextall is not the one making those decisions. Hopefully it's somebody new. I, I really hope that him making the playoffs doesn't change the fact that he should be fired, even oh, though it probably goodness. will. Um, but they, they either way, upcoming, they still have a tough stretch. They, they play oh. Nashville tomorrow night, like you said, um, or tonight, depending on when you're listening. But then they get to play boston the number one team in the nhl opponent yeah the flyers who stink but still flyers penguins i i'm even if the flyers are awful and the penguins are the best team in the league i you still don't know how those games are going to go and then they get the devils um all all those games before we talk to you guys next time Mm -hmm. and the devils second place in the metro one of the best teams in the east surprising to so many including us so It's not like the the Penguins can like, like I said they're treading water right now and they're trying to hold their head above water. They they can't just continue to tread water. They're going to actually have to take take strides in some of these games and actually win some of these games to keep their head above water. Otherwise, listen, the Panthers have lost a ton in the row. I mean, they know they just won, but they had lost like 5 in a row at that point. That you can't really just bank on the pan- the Panthers losing at this point, even though it seems like that's more important. <laughs> it's what they've been. Yeah, doing. honestly, that's that's been more important to the Penguins. Winning games aren't as important. Let's just hope the Panthers lose games. That's kind of the yeah. mentality that we've had going forward. And as a fan too, I, I'm scoreboard watching. I really care more about what the Islanders and the the Panthers are doing than what the Penguins are doing at this point because I know what the Penguins are doing is just a bunch of total crap. So it's hard to really to really care what's going on in the ice. Yeah, things look really bad, but I mean, the good news is we do have Michael Granlin under contract for the next two years at five million dollars. So you know, that's 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 a deal that can really turn around a franchise. If you yeah. if you want to dig yourself out of a hole, sign an aging, declining player that makes five million dollars a year and plays on your third line to a a, a deal. Actually, no, tra- trade for him. Give up assets for him. Mm-hmm. And then also have him for multiple years after that. Yeah. I mean, I can't even blame Hextall because, like, you know, everybody loved the deal when it happened. There was nobody pushing back against it. The underlying numbers are great. So, yeah. like, there were I, no I, signs. I, there were no signs that this was going to happen. There were no signs. <laughs> there were no signs. You know, that's what makes – listen, I'm not claiming to to know more about the game of hockey than Ron Hextall probably do um but like that's what makes me laugh about the people I mean, he was that a are goalie like, how much does he actually know about hockey exactly uh took too many pucks to the head maybe they didn't wear helmets or something in his time and he took too many pucks to the head um but i think like that that's the thing that makes me laugh when people are just like oh like the gms know more than us or whatever like just put your faith in them listen because they know the more GM than us. might know they more do. than me 
But does the GM know more than Jay Fresh Hockey? I don't know that he does. I thought you were going to say Jesse Marshall. I, I thought he was going to get a shout out on here. Either one. Jesse Marshall. <laughs> we, should have, we should have Jesse on. Any or either either of them. Any, no, I don't want to have Danny all on. Of them. I don't want to have Danny on. No, we don't need another moment like that that one where you just burst out laughing. <laughs> he ruined the show. Yeah. We had to restart. We were like four minutes into the show at that point and just had to scrap it. I believe that was the, the show that I, that was, I was on my honeymoon, I think, for that. Some, yeah. Mm-hmm. That would make sense. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, I, so when I look at uh, the Penguins' recent stretch and the upcoming stretch, again, I, I still think they're going to make the playoff. Like, I just think, basically, this aging core, which they've had to rely on far too much, is going to carry them into the playoffs. Like, they are a very top-heavy team. The like the upper echelon talent of this team is still there. The supporting cast isn't. But in my mind, because of that, you know, upper echelon elite talent at the top with a couple contributors like in Jason Zucker and Ricard Raquel, Jake Gens. I don't even know what happened to our boy. Like he's been on the show. I love Brian Rust. I still think he's a good hockey player. I, I this season has been a lost season, basically. Like everything he touches just turns to mud. <laughs> he got the contract and then just got fat and happy. I I don't the, the thing is like somebody actually responded to me and said about the con like that that's that's so unlike bro, there's no way that it's just you know last year was a contract year because he was an ascending player years before that. I and it, I don't think it's just as simple he as he was he an got ascending paid. player in years 27, 28, 29. Yeah. I mean, he's over 30 years old now. Yeah. There's, there's I no don't think it's a contract what type of player he's going to be. I don't think it's a contract thing of like he got paid and and got lazy or anything like that. I, it's super frustrating for him. Um, but anyways, I, I just think like the upper level talent of this team will get them to the playoffs. Hard to envision them making any noise though. So that's kind of just where I'm at with this team. I think because of the how bad the East is at the bottom. Like I think it's so top heavy with those teams. How bad it is like with those wild card teams. By default, they're just going to make the playoffs. I don't give them a shot in hell in, in winning a round. If if they if they go to the playoffs and they win whoever they play in the first round, it's looking likely that it's going to be Boston. Yeah. So if they beat I'll be Boston, like absolutely stunned if they get it to like seven. If it goes six, I'll be pretty surprised. If it goes seven, I'm seeking shelter. If they beat them. I'll dye my hair whatever they, color that most people will vote on at that point. If they win, I'll put out a poll and pick a color, and I will dye my hair whatever color it says if they beat Boston because <laughs> there's no way in hell that that's going to happen. Oh, my God. That would be hilarious. If it happens, I'll get a tattoo. I have another. I was saying one you have planned. Yeah, I was saying I have an appointment on May 4th. So I was going to use that as the is the out there um but you yeah, have a poll I, and let people pick a tattoo if i were to do that though like it, it can't just be anything it would have to be a couple options no 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 like you have a few options but you could yeah. you should make a couple of the options like kind of like not like bad but a little edgy like a little like i don't know if i'd normally get this tattoo <laughs> but i could since, hide it somewhere yeah i mean you got thighs i have both my i have basically my my thighs are covered just by one each, basically. You got the back of your thighs. Yeah, that's a weird spot. 
but yeah, I could do that. I mean, um, it's it's real estate. <laughs> prime real estate. Um, anyways, uh, you mentioned already their upcoming schedule um, before we talk to you guys next. Uh, as always, in the comments of this show, let us know how you feel about anything that we talked about in here. Give us your predictions for what we talked about when in, in terms of the Pirates. Um, we are also, we forgot to mention this on any of the previous shows, but we're getting closer and closer, less than a month now, to the NFL draft. We are going to be doing a live show. I have mentioned that, but I didn't mention this part of it. Every year we do some type of giveaway. This year we're going to get a little different. Tyler and I are both going to submit uh, mock drafts the day of. We have up until the day of to submit our final version of the first round mock draft. Whichever one of us loses, so has the least amount of first round pitch correct. We're, there's also going to be a scoring system here. So you get points even if you don't have the exact team fit. But if you have the team fit and the right pick, you like five points. I, I sent you the point system. I don't remember what it is off the top of my head, so I'm going to have to go back and find that text. But it's like one point for a player being in round one, like three points if the if the player's in round one into the right team, five points if it's the right team and right pick, a whole big thing. Anyways, which one of us has the least picks will be buying the jersey for the winner, and how we're going to pick the winner is a reaction video to the Steelers' first-round pick at pick 17. Drew Hannis is not eligible because we know we're going to get one of those <laughs> on the live stream because he's going to be with us along with Joe, along with Sarge, maybe Derek. I'm not sure if he's going to. He asked me if we were doing something. Um, so super excited about draft night as always. We I don't know if are you going to do both nights because I'm going to be here for round one and rounds two and three on night two. I I probably should be able to. Okay. I know there was the one year where you were doing something on the Friday, so I did, like, Platt was with me and had other people join me and stuff, but that was the 2021 draft. Last yeah, year, we I, were with Jake and Nate on night two, but this year, because of the Steelers having three picks on night two, I wanted to do our own thing, uh, but shout out to those guys. Nothing against them. Jake Chavank, you can follow his YouTube channel, and they'll be doing something live over there. If you uh, prefer them, I would. Um, I would, anyway, too, honestly. We're going to be doing that, so I have the the pinned tweet on our Twitter right now is about that giveaway. You don't have to reply to that specific tweet. I'll put something out um, closer to to reply with your reaction video. Uh, but yeah, that's going on. I think that's it, other than once again wanting to remind you guys about the Dalton Keene golf outing, which is $100 per person, teams of four, and it will be taking place on, where is this flyer? Why did I exit out and close all my apps? And why don't I just remember this off the top of my head already? May 23rd? Mentioned it. No. What's the Saturday? What's the Saturday? Is it May 13th? May 13th? It is May 13th. It is May 13th. It is definitely at 2 p.m. I knew that. Blackhawk Golf Course. Half the proceeds going to the Caring Place, the Highmark Caring Place in Pittsburgh. Half the proceeds going to the Isla Keen Fund, which that will also be in the description of the show. Um, and then also the LeMasters Fund, GoFundMe, is in the description of the show as well. Wherever you're watching or listening to it, I think that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Longer show today. Longer show today. I mean, we spent like a half hour on the Pirates. So that's, I mean, that's, doing- that's, that's got to be a record. I, yeah. I feel like ever since we we uh, that's the that's got to be a record for a non herb around the four one two show. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Is like ever since it's just been a two man show, 
and we've been doing it over uh over our computers that's yeah. probably the longest we've spent on the pirates because i feel like there had to have been a show where we spent like an hour on the pirates beforehand previously yeah. but but when it's just us two we we're good i think feel like if we hit 15 minutes that's so like a pretty long pirate segment most times <laughs> it is uh, but hey, they're about to be playing games, so that will be interesting to talk about too. People are probably like, "Oh my God, did Smitty just say Herb? I forgot that like he even existed." Yeah. Also, like, there's no hard feelings there. Like Herb and I talk, everything's good with Herb. Uh, well, I hope everything's good with Herb. Um, but yeah, we're all gravy. Still around the four one two family. Yeah. Um. Also, actually, I'll tell you off air. Okay. Now the people are going to be wondering what I'm going to say, but it's nothing bad. Well, you got to uh, leave them on a cliffhanger. So <laughs> Yeah. Come back next week and find out. Um, for Smitty, for Tyler, this has been Around the 412. Like, subscribe on everything. Follow us on our socials, and we'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye.